0: This is an adult education podcast of Lanier Technical College. If you are a lawful resident of the state of Georgia and are interested in more free lessons to improve your English or prepare for your high school equivalency diploma, such as the GED or HISET, please visit our website, www.LanierTech.edu. Click on adult education and follow the instructions. And now for our lesson.
1: Welcome to our lesson today. Our names are Judson Coffey, Elliot Hood, and Emma Callahan. And today we will be learning about constitutional government. More specifically, we will be learning about the three branches that make up our federal government. By the end of this lesson, you should have a good grasp of what all three branches of government do and how they interact with one another. In this podcast, we will be going over exactly how each branch of government functions and works together in unison to keep the country running. Now, it is worth mentioning that there are three levels of government in total, local, state, and federal. However, today, we will be focusing on the federal level and the branches within it.
2: Do you ever wonder how laws are made or why we must follow them? The three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial, are designed to assign certain people to creating and obtaining laws. We start our journey of how a bill is made with the legislative branch. We will then move on to the Executive Branch and finish in the Judicial Branch. While we are explaining this process, keep in mind these three questions. Why are bills made? How are people chosen to make these bills? Why must we abide by these in order for society to function properly? All of these questions will help you better understand the topic and the importance of the three branches of government. The Executive Branch will now be explained by Judson.
1: Thank you, Emma. Now we will be going over the legislative branch. This is where all the laws start. Now the legislative branch's main purpose is to create laws, declare laws, regulate interstate and foreign commerce, control taxing and spending policies. Now the House has the power to initiate revenue bills, impeach federal officials, and elect the president in case of an electoral college tie. They are the only branch that can propose and change laws. Interestingly enough, any regulations or policies that even the executive branch enacts are only given power as long as they remain within the bounds of the laws set by the legislative branch. The legislative branch also helps manage the annual budget for government operations, in some cases even allotting certain functions and facilities within government agencies to receive their own amount of funding. Congress also holds the power to declare war. Uh, Fun fact, President Harry Truman worked around this when he sent troops to the Korean Peninsula during a conflict that was happening during his presidency by merely calling it a policing action, rather than the war that it would quickly evolve into. Now, in terms of the structure of the legislative branch, it is composed of two major components. The House of Representatives and the Senate. Let's go over the House of Representatives first. There are 435 total representatives that exist in the House of Representatives. Members of the House are elected for two years and must be 25 years of age. And they are led by the Speaker of the House. Now, the Senate has two Senators for each state. Senators are elected for six-year terms by the people of their state. And the Vice President is considered the President of the state. Interestingly enough, the Senate terms are staggered so that roughly one-third of the Senate is up for re-election or replacement every two years. Now, these sections of the legislative branch are both called Houses of Congress, though it is a tad confusing as we always refer to the House of Representatives as well the House of Representatives, and we only refer to the Senate as, well, the Senate, but it is also considered a House of Congress. Now, let's get on to that bill that we've been following. It's only members of Congress that can introduce the bill, either the Senate or House of Representatives. It doesn't matter which introduces it first, but they have to go through both eventually, and both the Senate and the House can introduce a bill. Now, before the bill is even presented to the entirety of the House in which it was created, it has to be given to one of several different committees. Now, this depends on what type and what category the bill would fall under. And it would even be further specified down into a subcommittee that it would fit under. Now, in the Senate, there are 17 committees with 70 subcommittees. And in the House, there are 23 committees with 104 subcommittees. Now, a bill must pass the subcommittee. Then it is presented to a full committee. And then once it passes the full committee, it is presented to either floor of whatever House of Congress it is being made in. If it passes through that, then it moves on to the next House of Congress. Additionally, the House also has an extra committee before it's even presented to the entirety of the House called the Rules Committee that must approve the bill before it is read aloud to the rest of the House of Representatives. So, as we can see, it takes a lot of time to even get a bill spoken to the entirety of the House in which it's being created in. Now, throughout the many repeatings of the process of going through subcommittees, full committees, the bill can be amended and changed from its original purpose. For example, a bill that was originally made to build more infrastructure in rural areas could be amended to include a clause that changes the taxation of livestock. This can in turn cause the bill to become more or less popular as its core functioning changes. Now. If, by some miracle, the bill passes through both houses, which it very rarely does, it is likely that through the process, the house that which the bill did not originate from made significant changes to it once it reached its House of Congress. So, a conference committee is made up of both members of the House of Representatives and the Senate. Their task is to create a compromise bill that incorporates both bills— these are then sent back to both the House and the Senate. And if they reach approval from both houses, then they are finally sent to the executive branch. And this will be explained by Elliot.
0: Thank you, Judson. The executive branch is the most powerful and known branch to most people, mainly because it is ran by the president of the United States. At the top is the president, of course, followed by the vice president and the president's cabinet, as well as a combination of other committees and commissions. The president is the leader of the country and the federal government. He or she is also the commander-in-chief of the United States military. The president is limited to two four-year terms. One fun fact pertaining to limited terms, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, who served as the 32nd president of the United States, is the only president to have more than two four-year terms. He in fact served four terms and to this day is the only president to do so. He was able to do so because of his efforts lifting the United States out of the Great Depression and because of the US's involvement in the Second World War. Because of FDR being elected to four terms, this led to Congress passing the 22nd Amendment in 1947, which states that the president can only serve a total of two four-year terms. The Presidential Succession Act was also passed in 1947. It provides a list of officials, mainly those of the president's cabinet, Who would assume presidential duties if the president was unable to discharge the duties of his or her offices. The vice president is first in line to serve to fill in for the president and then followed by the speaker of the house. When the president is elected he or she uh, has complete choice over who joins our cabinet although the legislative branch with at least 51 of 100 U.S. senators must approve them. The cabinet mainly consists of 15 agencies some of which include the Department of Agriculture, Defense, and Education. These cabinet members each have expertise in their particular cabinet and brief the president and provide advice on how that particular agency can work more effectively. The White House press secretary has a job of distributing information about the president's actions, plans, and opinions to the American people. Sometimes the president will directly address the media if there are special circumstances or they wish to make some brief remarks. But for the most part, the press secretary is responsible for sharing the information of the president's actions. One power that the legislative branch has over the executive is that they are able to impeach the president, meaning that if they have cause, they can remove them from office. One power that the judicial branch has over the executive is that they can declare certain presidential acts unconstitutional. And going the other way, one power that the executive branch has over the legislative branch is that the president is able to veto laws that were passed through Congress. And one power that the executive branch has over the judicial branch is that they can nominate judges for the courts. To close out, while the executive branch seems to be the most powerful branch, and in some cases it is, our government is fortunately made up of a system of checks and balances that allow each branch to have power over one another. The main reason behind this model and thinking is from the persecution the early colonies in America were facing from the British Empire who, at the time, was ruled by one power, the King. Thomas Jefferson was a big advocate for the system, who was the third president of the United States. Now that I have covered the executive branch, I will pass it on to Emma who is going to discuss the judicial branch.
2: Lastly is the judicial branch. The judicial branch is in charge of deciding the meanings of laws. Along with this, they decide how a law will fit into real-life situations and what the effects of that real-life situation would be. A group of individuals sit down and discuss exactly how laws will be used in real-life scenarios and the pros and cons of these laws. So, who makes up the judicial branch? The President appoints judges who are then approved by the U.S. Senate. Federal Supreme Court judges, also called justices, are appointed for life and because they are not elected by the people. They are free to make decisions based on what they think is best instead of trying to please the people who voted for them. Many Americans challenge these laws, but only a select few, 150 a year, actually get the case all the way up to the Supreme Court. The only cases that usually make it there are ones that challenge the Constitution in some way. Another role of the judicial branch is making sure each law is constitutionalized. This means that if the legislative passes a law that is unconstitutional, the judicial branch has the power to review or change things about the law that goes against those guidelines. The branch also focuses on punishments for lawbreakers. They decide what is best fitting punishment after reviewing a panel of judges. For example, the most recent Supreme Court case was the Mont v. United States case. This case began with Jason Mont being accused of drug-related offenses. He pleaded guilty, therefore serving time in prison. Once out on parole, Mott committed other state offenses and the court ruled to send him to prison for six more years. The judicial branch was the main factor in deciding the fate of Jason Mott in this case. So overall, the judicial branch is the last step in the process of creating a law because they work on the law once has already been established. They also take charge in deciding punishment for lawbreakers. I would describe this branch as the cleanup committee because they get the aftermath of what has already been established and make sure it is plausible to enter the country.
1: Before we close off, we're just going to do a little bit of review, some questions to see how well you've comprehended what we've talked about. And just so you kind of have a good framework of your understanding of the branches of government. So I'll go first going over the legislative branch. First question. How many Houses of Congress are there? There are two, the Senate and the House of Representatives. Next question. Who is considered the head of the Senate?
3: The Vice President. How long is a Senator's term? Six years.
1: And remember, the terms are staggered so that every two years, roughly a third of the Senate is up for reelection or replacement. Final question over the legislative branch. What is the legislative branch's primary function? The legislative branch's main function is to create laws. Now Elliot's going to help us review the executive branch.
0: Thank you Judson. What is one power that the executive branch holds over the judicial branch? The president is able to select judges for the courts. What is one power that the Executive Branch has over
3: the Legislative Branch? The President is
0: able to veto or approve laws from Congress. Who must approve the President's Cabinet selections and how many
3: votes are needed? The answer is the
0: Senate, and of the 100 senators, 51 must approve them. Now I'll pass along to Emma, who will discuss the judicial branch.
3: Thank you, Elliot. Who makes decisions in the judicial branch? The president appoints judges who are then approved by the U.S. Senate. What was the most recent Supreme Court case? Mont versus United States.
2: What is another role other than making laws constitutional
3: that the judicial branch plays in lives of citizens? They decide on punishment for lawbreakers.
0: Now you have seen how our government works, which is modeled by the Constitution. Each branch has a unique power and they are all able to keep each other in order with checks and balances. The judicial is responsible for deciding what is constitutional or not. The legislative is made up of the House of Representatives and Senate. This branch is responsible for introducing laws and is a representation for individual parts throughout the United States. The executive branch consists of the president and the vice president. This branch is responsible for leading the country and making critical decisions. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and were able to learn something new. This concludes the lesson. Please make a note of the time, complete your log sheet, and turn your log in to your instructor at the end of the week. Then complete the follow-up activities assigned by your instructor or in your course module. This podcast has been a collaborative production of Lanier Technical College and the University of North Georgia.